Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to do a grab bag episode? No, we must be getting close to a con. Cue music. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. All righty. So we're coming up on breakout. Yep. Uh, and that means that our time for recording gets tricky. Mm-hmm. So tonight and next week, we'll be doing slightly shorter grab bag episodes, which will come out for you listeners on the 11th and the 18th. Then the episode on the 25th will be our breakout recap, where we will talk about uh, all the cool games that we ran, games we played, and people we hung out with at BreakoutCon. Mm -hmm. And then that will carry us into April, where we will be doing episode uh, 150. Yep. Big number. uh, if I'm looking <laughs> and if I'm looking at my calendar correctly, we will be doing that on April 1st. Are you serious? It'll drop the week after, but we'll be recording on April yeah. 1st. Yeah. So mm. episode 150 is just going to be a wacky mess. Yes, clearly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, having said all of that so that um, all of you fantastic people listening understand what we're doing for the next three or four weeks. Let's go ahead and jump in with some questions because we got some good ones from all over the place uh, for this particular grab bag. Mm-hmm. So PK Sullivan, good friend of the show, fellow game designer, asks, how do you make hacking and other sol- and solo subsystem tasks interesting? So can I shed a little light on this? Because I think there's a little historical context to... Yeah, um, I feel like you should shed some light on it because I feel like I haven't played games so much where the hacker ends up isolated in the way that I feel like this is insinuating. because a lot of modern games have solved this problem. Mm -hmm. So let me go back and explain kind of how this came about and then why it was such a pain in the ass uh, back in the 80s. So if we, if you will, let's, um, let us, let us jump into the Wayback Machine. Do I need to make Um, sound effect sounds now? No, no, it's fine. Let us travel. Let us travel back to a time when payphones were still a thing. Cellular phones were like the you know like the size of a lunchbox. Uh-huh. Uh, and let's talk about Cyberpunk. Uh-huh. In spe- specifically, let's talk about two games: Cyberpunk twenty twenty and Shadowrun. Okay, in both of these games, there is a. Um, there is a class for hacker uh, or archetype for Shadowrun for hacker. And uh, the idea is that hackers hack into computer systems, run around and do all this stuff. Now, these games drew a lot of their stuff from the literature, the cyberpunk literature at the time. And so the, the problem is that a lot of the literature had the hacker kind of hacking into the system before the team went into the building. Yeah. And so the hacker would kind of like go through and disable all the security and loop the cameras and all the tropes that you're familiar with today. But they would do all that, like in the stories, they would do all that and then the team would head in. Yeah. And on top of that, the literature also, the liter- literature and then the games did this as well, carried it forward. 
uh, did this thing where cyberspace time is like mere like seconds compared to um, meat time, mm-hmm. like how much time it takes for, you know, flesh to move about the building kind of thing. All right. The bottom line is what this came out to be is that when you were playing Cyberpunk 2020 and you wanted your hacker to disable cameras and take over uh, door locks and things like that, they actually had to like kind of go on their own adventure sometimes for like 20 minutes Yeah. Um, before the rest of the players could start playing. Wah, wah. Right? Wah, wah. <laughs> right? So needless to say, this was not fun. No. Um, it wasn't fun for the GM. It wasn't really fun for either the hacker or or the rest of the team because while the hacker did get to play first, once they had hacked everything, they were done while the rest of the team did their thing. So it became this very asynchronous type of play. And it got it kept getting propagated forward um, in games. And eventually it got tropey enough that game designers started to actively design around this problem. Yeah. Um, so... The first thing I would say is solo subsystems are fine if they can be run in sync with the rest of uh, the group. Because then you're just talking about aggressive smash cutting and aggressive screen framing to 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 switch back and forth, right? Right, because my my real experience with cyberpunk games at this point is Headspace. And Headspace is one of those games where that's like Mark Richardson didn't propagate that forward. He works on the assumption that like the hacker may not be physically present with everybody doing everything, but like what they're doing is a simultaneous action to what's happening yeah. in the adventure. So like you, you do, you just switch back and forth, right? You, you aggressively scene frame. And the, I mean, the other thing about that particular game is, and this is another way that he's specifically worked around it, and he's worked around it for all of the different roles, right? Is that it's built so that you can split off. So it's a game that is built for aggressive, like, scene smash cut stuff, right? You can split off and then still be able to accomplish things because you can pull skills from the other people on your team. So even other people can snag hacker skills from inside when they need to. Yep. So that actually includes everyone in the hacking. Uh, The other thing Headspace does is connects everybody so people aren't isolated. Yeah, you don't have to worry about communication stuff. Like, everybody always knows what's going on, even though you're not in the same place necessarily. Like, right. Yeah, so what I would say is that asynchronous solo subsystems are problematic, and you should probably not use them, avoid them, or hack them to not be asynchronous, right? Yes. The... The, that classic Cyberpunk 2020 model is actually really, really troublesome. It's not, it's not good. I know when I designed the hacking move for Hydro Hackers, like that simply says when you subvert a piece of machinery to do your will, right? Yeah. So it doesn't actually have any setup. Like the players see a camera in the hallway and are like, oh shit, somebody turn off that camera and the hackers like, hang on. I got makes the it. role right. and you know and goes from there. So again, it gets rid of the asynchronous part. Well, the other thing I would say about hydro hackers is there's another form of hack that you've built into that game which is the card part, right? But that is specifically built so that everyone has something that they can do during it even though you kind of have some primary focus on on some of the specific playbooks, right? But it's still um, uh, it's still a subsystem that actually involves everybody. Yeah, there's actually three 
So of the playbooks, there's there are three, four, four playbooks that are directly involved mm-hmm. and two that support. Yeah. And they all have a function. Like, they all have a role during the hack. This would be the same thing as, like, Starship Combat, right? Like, um, when you're talking about, like, a game like Star Trek, like, you want everyone to have their console on the bridge. Yeah. Like, everybody still has a thing to do during that part, right? Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, this... You know, otherwise somebody gets left out. And that's the thing we're trying to avoid, right? Like yeah. everything we've set up to this point is what we're trying to avoid is somebody having to sit out while everybody else is playing or vice versa. Everyone else sits out while one person plays. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's just like from a design point of view and from a GM point of view, like you just you can't have things like the hacker has to do their entire run before the the team can do their infiltration like that's just that's bad yeah that's it has to be it it has to be played in a way that can make it simultaneous and maybe the hacker is just like you know a couple doors ahead or whatever but like yeah still means you can smash back and forth right exactly that then is just again aggressive aggressive screen framing and uh smash cutting but that's just starting the hacker first yeah letting them make a roll or two and then um, bringing everybody else in yeah. The other the other problem with that cyberpunk thing, and then and then I think we can wrap because yeah, yeah. I think we've hit we the main point. On. The the other problem with the cyberpunk one was that it wasn't it wasn't just a couple of key nodes. Like it wasn't like oh okay, make a roll for the doors, make a roll for the cameras. Like the system was laid out like a dungeon, Ooh. and like you had to travel from like node to node and fight programs, and then and then upload programs to take over nodes like it was if you didn't have anyone else in the game oh, and yeah. you were just playing the hacker like it was hellishly fun yeah like it but sounds was, super cool but you have to right. be able to involve like everybody at the table <laughs> right but but it was too much like the like the way most people have fixed this hacking is like um hack to enter the system and then just make a roll every time you want to take over a thing right Right, like don't make it into a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon crawl while the players are also having a dungeon crawl that's different from yours, yeah. out of time sequence, uh, and require you to get ahead of them so that you can open things for them. Yeah, oh my gosh. Right. Okay, anyway, that is um, <laughs> the history of hacking and games and why uh, hacking has always been kind of problematic and how we, you know, we as designers have been trying to patch that problem, but it all stems back to some um, cool literature that people tried to make into the actual game a little too hard. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, there you uh, go. Cool. So the next question comes from Angela on Twitter, who asked how to tweak your story game to increase enjoyment for tactical players. Yep. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Because I'm usually the reverse. I'm usually the person in the game that I'm like, this is really technical game. Could you tweak it to be more story for me? Um, (laughs) But having said that, the way to make things work for tactical players is to give them instances in which they can make creative use of the mechanics at hand. That gets trickier, like the more story gamey you get, the less mechanics there tend to be. So it means you you need to start off picking a game that can support a lot of story for all your story gamers, but it needs to still be able to have some tactical stuff. So I don't know, usually like a dungeon world powered by the apocalypse will hit that mix, I feel like, pretty well because you can still be tactical about how you use 
moves. You just have to describe it nicely. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's about giving them situations that they can solve creatively using the cool stuff that they have, right? That's written down on their sheet. Sometimes that means, um, you know, cool terrain, combat, sometimes like uh, like puzzle situations, like get across this chasm, like that kind of stuff. I'm also going to add that um, tactical also works really well with teamwork. Yeah. So it's it's not just I think it's more I think I think mechanics are definitely part of it. I think the other part of it is coming up with cool plans. Agree. Yeah. Like, we're going to do this thing, and you're going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and we're going to, you know, sneak through. You're going to sneak through the sewers. I'm going to sneak through the rooftops kind of thing. Right. It'll be a pincher formation. Right. But all of that can actually be done via story. It absolutely um, can, yeah. It, it, that, it, all of that can absolutely be described via story, and, and should. I, I think that if your tactical players are really... If their focus is more on the mechanical aspects, so rolling dice, crunching numbers, how many hit points can I, how many hit points of damage can I deliver with my, with my sick feet combo? Right. Am I um, maxing this character to their yeah. fullest extent? Yeah. Exactly. That player is going to struggle with a story game yes. for that kind of enjoyment, right? Like story games don't tend to have too much that you can min-max or play out. Uh, a lot of times story games barely have stats. Yeah. Um, some story games barely have um, mechanics for damage or anything else. I mean, if we talk uh, about lasers and feelings, there is literally no mechanic for doing damage. Exactly. So <laughs> what becomes more important for the tactical player in a game like that is it has to be less about the number crunching and uh, more about the plotting and planning. Yeah. And there's still plenty of room for plotting and planning because story games rely on narrative positioning. And if you uh, really think about cool tactics and describe them narratively, that's... Be pretty tactical. Yeah. I would... So here's a, a follow-up question to that then. So what if your tactical players are players who specifically are gaining their fun from rules mastery of like complicated rule sets. Is there a way that you could still engage those players in a story game? I, I so I think if you're if if the thing that's getting your enjoyment, right? Your main enjoyment is um I have strung these rules together. I know that this rule plus this rule plus my feet that I've taken has uh, will allow me to achieve this, you know, sick multi-attack. Yeah. I think that you can get a little enjoyment out of a story game like that, but you're not going to get the depth because story games just don't contain, often don't contain rules complexity and it's complexity. And what I mean by complexity is not difficulty, but I mean like number and yep. like quantity. So quantity, quantity, of rules, yeah. right. So because they're because story games aren't as complex, there are less pieces mm -hmm. to manipulate. And so from a mechanical point of view, um, the game becomes very simple to master. So you you your curve is like within a session or two, you've mastered how to do everything in this game. And that's it. If you look at mastery as optimizing the way to play the game through the rules. Then what you learn in a story game is that it is not about mechanics. It is about narrative mastery. Yeah. 
and the better you can describe stuff, the better you can, um, you know, you can trigger certain moves in a PBTA game by just by the way you describe them properly, mm-hmm. um, in, you know, those kinds of things. So there is a form of mastery. It is not this, it's not exactly the same. Right. Okay. Well, cool. So that, I think with that, we sort of cover the whole thing. I think so. Yeah. I think so. What's the next question? Shadow Warl one on Twitter asks, uh, and we're going to have to do a little setup for our uh, for our video uh-huh. listeners. <laughs> uh, if the Ditch Lilies yes. were a band in a fantasy world like D anD D or Dungeon World, what species and class would the band members be? Yeah. So first of all, <laughs> first of all, tell us um, who the Ditch Lilies are. Well, the Ditch Lilies. Are the best 90s femme glam rock alt band that you have never heard of. Because yeah, we, absolutely. Because we made them up. Yeah, no. We didn't. They're real. <laughs> They're totally real. Um, They're completely the real. Li- yes. The Ditch Lilies are uh, pioneers in uh, in almost all forms of 90s music. Yep. Um, and we're, um, we're located... Um, uh, either directly or tangentially to pretty much everything that was important in the 90s. Yeah, pretty much everything. But you probably yeah. didn't hear, hear about them. Like, they just happened to be in all the right places at the right times. And then other the other band that was there or whatever, like, took that amazing thing and, like, ran with it. And then those are all the things that we know, right? Yeah, I mean, um, the Ditch Lilies in 1989 played a small bar in Seattle that Kurt Cobain was at. And Lily happened to be wearing a flannel shirt at that concert. Uh-huh. And uh, the ergo grunge, right? That's it. Just happened, yeah. right? It was really Lily. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's just how it goes. But so, so the band is made up of of four members. Um, they are Lily, who is the lead singer. She is very charismatic, and she sleeps with a lot of girls. She falls in uh, love some, with them. Sometimes guys. Sometimes guys. She sleeps with everybody. <laughs> she she's falls very in pan. love with a lot of people. And she's yeah. very much in love with them. But in the end, she always ends up going back to Megan, who is the drummer, mm-hmm. um, who is extremely intelligent. Uh, yeah, Megan actually has a degree in mathematics. Uh, she graduated from college and uh, chose not to pursue uh, a career in mathematics and just went on the road um, to be a drummer. Yeah, if I remember correctly, we've already talked about this in some other episodes, but there was a, a, a specific theory that ended up getting used in one of the NASA launches that she figured out first, basically yep. in drum rhythms, As and an- then jotted it down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, anyway, then we have Ashley. She plays the bass. Um, she's kind of known for her fiery red hair temper <laughs> yes yes and and explosive temper yeah those and things. jealousy jealousy not mm-hmm. yes yeah uh, uh and and probably the least um understood member of the band uh is michelle the guitarist mm-hmm. she's probably the most enigmatic of of the group or or possibly the most n- normal Yes. I mean, not that she hasn't had her share of, of affairs and things like that, but Michelle's kind of the, Michelle's kind of the cool one of the bunch. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So going, going back to the original question, yes. go ahead and pick, uh, why don't you pick Lily? Right. And um, what, what species and class do you think, um, do you think Lily okay, is? Okay. Well, I'm going to start with class because for me, for Lily, it's pretty straightforward. Like 
Yeah, they're all musicians, but Lily is clearly the bard here. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Because she's got charisma like out the roof. That's that's the thing, and that's why she's such a good front woman for the band. And how she, when she keeps falling in love with all of these people, they fall in love with her too. Like, yeah, these absolutely. aren't one-sided relationships. So, yeah, she's very charismatic. Um, as for a species, a fantasy species, a little bit trickier. Partially because it's it's a little bit tricky sometimes to like categorize an entire species by personality. Right. <laughs> like, that's a little weird. Yeah. Um, but if if I personally had to choose, and this probably has to do with how I personally have played this species before, I would choose halfling for Lily. And I would choose halfling because um the way that I've kind of always experienced them, they tend to be a little bit more happy-go-lucky, right? And not so much grounded in, like, logic and um, things like, well, Lily, what what, what are you going to do when we go on to the next town? And Or when the, like, uh, paparazzi find out this person. <laughs> like, I don't think that those are things that she necessarily considers. Um, and that's kind of always the way that I played halflings slash kinder <laughs> i mean there there are several there are several midwest towns lily cannot go back she can't. to um she can't go back yeah yeah like after sleeping with the mayor's daughter yeah i mean it, it's uh, several towns it's, like. it's it's it is definitely that thing where she she doesn't necessarily think through the consequences of her actions and to me that's always kind of how i've played halflings so that's fair. so to me to me i would say halfling do you agree I don't disagree. Halfling, of course, isn't one of my favorite classes, but I get your rationale. So okay. I'm uh, I'm fine. And Bard, I absolutely agree. Right, right. Well, so, well yes. what would you choose for a species for Lily? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Lily is very striking. Mm-hmm. So I might have gone like Elvin in that kind of... She's almost, I mean, she's very energetic and charming, but she's also kind of aloof about, like, she floats through relationships. That's true. As if her lifespan were longer than that of an average human. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, it isn't. It isn't. We know that she she owns a coffee house now in Portland. Um, But, but yeah, like, I don't know. There's a part of me where she's just kind of like, you know, she's, she's there with you, but she isn't always there with you. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. That's it's I would have picked that for 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 actually one of the other girls, but we'll go. Why yeah. don't you do Megan next? You do Megan okay. and then I'll jump in if I disagree. Yeah, so Megan, I think Megan is uh first of all the most zen of the group. Yeah. Um she is the one um for many many years that was kind of Lily's anchor and often um as Lily would rebound out of relationships with Megan. Uh, would inevitably kind of boomerang back yeah. to Megan. And um, Megan is kind of a badass. Um, I mean, you're the drummer, so, you know, you're a little bit ripped. You're pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, good with your hands. Uh, so I, for class, picked a Monk. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> right. Uh, she and, has such and a centered personality, right? She's like absolute, really Centered grounded. personality, but can still whip Oh, heck yeah, she can. Yeah. Um. And uh, for species, uh, I picked human because um, uh, Megan is both has both skills invested in music uh, and mathematics. That's fair. See, I would have actually picked elf, I think, for Megan. 
Oh, I got Elf picked uh, a little further down. Oh, the again? <laughs> See, the reason that I the reason that I say that though is because um, elves are stereotypically a little bit more like aloof and less um, emotional yeah, than man. humans, right? And so, so to me, that keys in on some of her like centered chill. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my thought. Cool. Um, tell me about Ashley. Well, our bass player. Um, so there are many stories about Ashley, quote, accidentally, unquote, setting things on fire. I mean, Ashley had a habit of burning her past lover's personal objects. Yes. Uh, and sometimes that may have gotten carried away. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty sure that, anyway, that's a story for another time, that the whole bus situation on fire. We've, we've, Lilith Fair? we've discussed yeah, this we before. Don't, we don't need to go back we into this. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> It's the dark time. So, um, so Ashley, I think, is brilliantly perfect for the Dungeon World playbook, uh, the Immolator. Oh, I totally right. agree. We'll just yeah. go right on point with that one. And and while they aren't a species in Dungeon World, I would say that Ashley would also be a tiefling. Oh, I agree completely. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Tiefling immolator yes. is uh, that would be Ashley. Ashley. Yep, agree. Uh, okay, good. Since we're in agreement on that one, uh, Michelle is actually my elven rogue. Interesting. So because so- Michelle's kind of aloof. Michelle's kind of like like all the shit goes on, and Michelle's just like. I don't know why you're all yelling at each other, right? Like, you know, just whatever. And then, like, casually disappears. I mean, right? that kind of makes sense. But basically, you're like, so Michelle is me? Like, that's just the character that I always play in D&D. Yeah. <laughs> or used this, to always you know, play. Yeah. No, sure. I'll, I'd buy that. That makes sense. Yeah, Mich- or else she she yeah, might it- be a half-elf. She she could be a half elf. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. She's she's um I mean she certainly has some warm human qualities, but she's also like a little bit aloof yeah, yeah. and um you know, and and I think rogue because Michelle has a habit of being very present on stage <laughs> and being very not present anywhere yeah, else. Yeah. That is very true. She, like how does how has she escaped the paparazzi like this easily yeah, I mean, this always. many times every time? And, and actually, she's the one person we, in all of our um, follow-up trivia, could never actually track to um, to today. Yeah, it's true. We have no idea where she is. Yeah, when when the band broke up for the, I think, third time, Michelle just vanished. Yeah. Uh, and when we talk about things breaking up, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's time to break up the show, which means it's uh, time for us to move on to the closing. But before we move on to the closing, we like to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. And ironically, this just is the way they come up in our list of shows to talk it's about. True. We totally didn't rig it this. It wasn't actually. <laughs> Tell us about another show on the Respective Mark Network. Well, on the Gnomecast, several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. Although apparently that only applies to me and Ange and Kira and Wen. There's a lot of and you. <laughs> Pete and, and Taylor. JT. And JT and... Darcy. Uh, Darcy and uh, yeah. uh, um, I still miss some people, but anyway. Just not the founding gnomes. Okay, whatever. <laughs> not the immortal council of founding gnomes. 
That is correct. <laughs> Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com and keep your ears out because we're working on our G plus replacement. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please, please, please send us your topics. Uh, we love to do shows about the things that you want to hear us talk about. We have a couple different formats where we talk about two different points. Uh, we have the grab bags like you're hearing uh, tonight and on other nights. Uh, sometimes we do one shots versus campaigns. we got a couple different ways to approach topics. But the most important part is that uh, we are sourced probably 98% of the time by topics from uh, you all. And we love it. Uh, it's what's made um, doing all of these episodes possible. So please, please, please keep sending us your topics. What else can people do with our social media information? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time you are sitting down at a table with those awesome peeps, snap a photo of you playing that cool game with those cool people and hashtag it table selfie and put it on Twitter, honestly, because it's hard for me to find them anywhere else. Um, and we will swing by and like them because we actually really like to see what everybody else is playing. It's very cool just to see all those other tables. Yeah, it's awesome. You should do it. Indeed. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of cool things. Access to our uh, Slack channel, with which has the awesome Slack room for life. Uh, the bonus outtakes from this uh, show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, and the occasional game put out by Encoded Design. Sometimes we just make a little game and give it to everybody. We like to do those things. We also like to shout out to our patrons. And uh, tonight we start by shouting out to Eric Bontz, the Duke of Gators, the Lord of Beefness, which, yes. by the way, we are coming up on the one year anniversary oh of, of the, the Beefness. beefness. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's that been episode. a year. Yep. <laughs> that was a thing. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Eric, the Wear Gator Bontz. Uh, Thomas Hook, thank you very much for your support. And Jeff Stevens, thank you very much. Say, Senda, if you're already supporting the Patreon campaign or unable to support the Patreon campaign, which is perfectly fine, uh, what else can you do that makes us happy like pandas with way too much bamboo and time on our hands? Way too much bamboo rolling down a hill, probably. Well, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice because every new review we get, wherever it is, actually really helps new people find the show. We which is awesome because we like making friends. So if you leave it somewhere else other than the iTunes US podcast store, it's actually pretty hard for us to find. So if you drop us a note on Twitter or drop us an email, we love to see those because artistic validation makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside like pandas. Indeed it does. Say, Phil, show me how you're going to handle hacking in your next H2O game. Yeah, absolutely. So this show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Clicky, clicky. Hey. Click, click. Click to the click to the icky. No. No, I'm, I mean, 
Clicky, clicky, clicky. No, I got nothing. Anyway, it's working. It's I got some... clicky. It's click to walk around or rock around. That's right. That's right. It's clicky. Wow. I mean, first I'm impressed. Clicky, 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 clicky. First I'm impressed you even know that song. I mean, I don't really. Impress me further and tell me who who did it. No. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. It's Run DMC. And sure, it's, And good. it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's not clicky, obviously. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was a young lad when that song came out. <laughs> when I was young, Lord Hog. Yes. Well, I, I was never young, so. I've been perpetually this age. Okay, good. That's not true. Never I was never young. He's going to be never young. <laughs> Oh it's just going to be one of these nights, isn't it? It's just going to be a night of you <laughs> singing bad songs at me. <laughs> uh-huh. Bloop. I just rediscovered this comic called uh, Panda and Polar Bear. It's super adorable. Sorry, you made me think of it because you said polar bears. Panda and polar anyway. bear? Yeah. Okay. It's super cute. We shouldn't look it up right now. No, I'm not. Because I'm we're not, actually I'm not. recording the video this time. <laughs> No. So if we just like stare at each other in silence for long periods of time, it probably isn't going to be That's probably the best viewing experience. That's probably no good. Bloop. Ooh, my order from JetPen shipped. Oh yeah. And bits and pieces of my order from GC Pennies keep shipping separately. I has excitement. I love JetPens. Ooh, I got an exciting thing this morning too that I'm not going to tell you about. Yes. Till I give it to you for your birthday. Aww. <laughs> what do you actually need? Anyway, why don't we just... Uh... I mean, we're on brand. Listen, uh, so first of all, let's let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. We are uh, not only recording the podcast in our regular <laughs> podcast form, we are actually recording this video um, uh-huh. because um, we are contributing it towards um, uh, the Gnome Stew uh, Twitch channel because we are yes. we are gnomes. Because we're gnomes, and uh, and um, the gnome in chief was like, if you don't contribute content to the Twitch stream this week while we try to get the affiliate um, status, then we're going to toss you all in the stew. Right. And we said, oh, no. Right. I mean, toss you in the stew because I'm a founding gnome. I can't actually. What? Are, no, 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 no. I can't actually be killed. I'm, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Well, no, no. I mean, I mean I've made packs with dark things that prevent my <laughs> that prevent my death by stew. Like that's not a. It's not the ladder, isn't there? Just the ladder that comes out of the stew pot, or or do you have the trap door at the bottom? No, you know how there were ten founding gnomes. Oh, and they're not oh. <laughs> like. Are you telling me that you sacrificed other founding gnomes for immunity? We yes, that's exactly what Arcadian you and sacrificed I sacrificed them for immortality. Yes, Arcadian, myself, uh, Matt, a few others have uh, we have made our dark packs, and uh, therefore the stew will never come and get me. Um, I can't say the same for you. Damn it. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but I'm all all the same. I'm all for not having you tossed into the stew and consumed. So um, we are contributing a Pandas Talking Games episode uh, to the Twitch stream. It's true. And if you've survived through all of our uh, introductory persiflage so far, congratulations. We're going to actually start talking about things at some point. Yeah, this is the part where we actually um, start the show. Yeah, maybe <laughs> with 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 our with our our show starting words. We yeah, use... our show starting words, which are meow, meow, 
You brought out the Kermit head for people to watch. Oh, wow. That was great. Yeah, that's um for people who are watching this who have never listened to the podcast. They're like, what the hell is that? What is happening? That's where that's where the music goes. Yeah, the the actual music for the show goes in that spot, and uh, we always sing it, and then Santa takes it out and puts the right. real music in. You are experiencing anyway. live pandas, which means that we're doing our best to present it as if it were edited, even though it is completely unedited. <laughs> yeah, it's completely unedited, completely and we are not unedited. actually trying. We are not actually trying to do a good job. So you're just getting well, we, you're getting how the sausage is made. Yeah, we do we we don't actually try to do right. anyway. Uh, hey, this is the section of the show where um, if we have cool ad copy, uh, we'd be talking about awesome, cool games here. We would be if we had ad copy, and hopefully we will, and we'll insert this later. Cha-ching! <laughs> Bloop. Um, I mean... I'm sorry, hang on. Something's going on with my power. What are you? My, what's going on? My laptop. What's happening? Okay, I think I'm okay. I just, <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, the screen got a little dim and the little green light isn't on my... Um... Oh, dear. If your tactical player is the kind of player... Oh, shoot, it was a really good question, but I think I just forgot it. <laughs> nice face. <laughs> Damn. We are. We are recording. Nice, <laughs> nice, confused face. You're like a cat that accidentally smelled something. <laughs> The mouth partially open. <laughs> it's okay. Now I know how to make gifts out of things. Tonight I made a gif out of you going, that's amazing. So, you know, I'll just go back later and gif it. Bloop. I'm going to make a gif out of that face. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> nice. I wish I remembered. It was a really good, smart question. Bloop. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> um no yeah, no, none of that play. nonsense. <laughs> Show me Show what, me you, what got. you got. Show, Show me what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. got. Uh, uh, 45 minutes on the Oh, we nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Doesn't get much better than that. We should probably okay. just say goodbye. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And stop. Stop. <laughs>